0: For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive.
2: Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is James Yee. He is founder and CEO at Leaf Trade. They're focusing on the... B2B marketplace for cannabis, working with dispensaries, working with producers, suppliers, and making sure that the right groups have the right product at the right time and all the technical and process integration. I always love these kind of business plays in cannabis as we've kind of grown and matured as an industry. There's so much need for some of this kind of infrastructure and kind of higher order thinking around how this industry really works. And obviously with our fairly unique and fun setup of a state-by-state market in cannabis, it can make some of these things pretty complicated. And so I'm always interested in how people have kind of approached this and how they've gone to market, where they've kind of find where they found traction and, and where they're seeing the market kind of develop. So I'm excited for this conversation. With that, James, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
2: Pleasure having you on. So before we're before we kind of dive into everything you're doing today, I always love getting the backstory. How did you get into this? How did you get in technology? How did you get in cannabis? Give us the story.
3: Okay. Yeah. So it was, I think, a series of you know, fortunate and incredible events that kind of led me to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to where I am today. And a lot of, you know, sort of being at the right place at the right time. But I actually very early on in Illinois helped start one of the largest dispensary organizations in the state, mm-hmm. which grew to become known as, you know, a recognizable MSO called Grassroots Cannabis yep. um, that eventually sold to Cureleaf, which is the the largest of the, of the MSOs, right? Yeah, exactly. From one of the largest to the largest. Uh, right, right. And um, I started off, you know, kind of helping that organization, I'd, I'd say late 2014 and, and in 2015. And, you know, at the sort of intersection where I was sitting, it, it was Illinois. And at that time, it was the very first of what I call these highly regulated, newly emerging markets to launch. And I happen to know uh, three groups that had independently one licenses to operate dispensaries here in the state and they they had reached out to me because I'm I'm also the owner of an, another technology company next me which mm-hmm. is a maker of B2B software, mostly in the restaurant space, but also in healthcare and has grown to service a a bunch of other verticals. But I'm still on the board of that company and and not as hands-on. But at that time, they they reached out because they were simply looking for technology solutions to streamline their operations, right? Now that they've won these licenses and and needed to get get started up, right? And I think the theme that's sort of True today, but even more true back then was that when I kind of started to scratch the surface, the solutions that they were looking for just did not exist. Right, whether it's because the the industry was super super early, or because the technology giants out there that would normally service an industry were you know very risk averse, as, as yeah. a lot of them still are, and and we're not touching it. Right, so I'd say you know I w- I was that didn't change the fact that I was <laughs> hooked and yeah. fascinated by by this opportunity, and really over the course of the next I'd say 18 months was heavily involved with every area of the business of getting a dispensary started and, and, and launched and scaling, right? So everything from overlooking construction to, you know, knowing the regulations like the back of my hand, like how thick the steel needed to be in a vault and where did the cameras need to be located and if there was a defect with products, like what was the protocol for mm-hmm. destroying that, right? And you know, helping to hire, set up processes, build relationships with municipalities and the cultivators, right? The suppliers in the market, negotiating with them, and just building the relationships, right? And so, I'd say in that whole process, you know, I always, in the back of my mind, had my technology hat on and was just really paying attention to where the biggest pain points were, right? So, and the biggest sort of problem that I identified was the way in which these transactions were happening these wholesale yeah. transactions so if you're a retail dispensary and you need to stock your shelves up with products that to make it available for patients or you know consumers walking in right you were literally texting and and emailing and phone calling <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your it, it was really like you know drug dealer 2.0 kind of yeah, a, exactly. a situation right yeah. but because it was so so fragmented right any single order you you'd have to tr- communicate through you know texts and phone calls and emails that normally it took maybe two weeks or more for a single delivery to arrive at a dispensary but you know the buyer and the seller they were both spending half their time just trying to put these orders together, you know, when everyone was really looking to to focus on scaling their business, right? And so, you know, that that was really the genesis or, or the um, the sort of light bulb moment for me to say, hey, this is a huge problem. Like how do we how do we streamline this so that not only is it better for compliance, right? God forbid an issue happens with the order and now you have to dig through texts and emails to figure out what happened, but just digitize it and streamline it in a way where you're leveraging a platform like this to learn more about your business and be resource and time efficient and also use the, the data to optimize for revenue going forward. So long story short, I you know went to my existing tech team and you know grabbed a couple of guys and said, look, do you do you want to kinda be a part of helping to build something, an MVP and, and launching it into the Illinois market? And we did that in January of twenty seventeen and by the end of that first month, we had thirty percent of the entire state of Illinois using the platform, loving it, giving us really great feedback, and today we consider ourselves the leading platform of this kind in, like I said earlier, the highly regulated uh, newly mm-hmm. emerging markets, right? So think all of the states east of Colorado and since early of this year, have been ramping very quickly into the more established recreational states out west. And that's sort of our story. And hopefully you know that gave you a little bit of context about what we do, yeah um, absolutely. as a platform and yeah, yeah.
2: I'm curious about um, you know in the early stage I mean I, you know I think all kind of technologies it's a question of is this the right problem and then is this the right time I think if technologists, who, you yeah. probably yeah. remember Newton <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. Apple's <laughs> Newton, right? like, great technology wrong time um, sure how, how did you know like how did you know that you had found like a problem you really wanted to solve and that yeah. that, that was the right time to actually try to solve that like what were the yeah. signals that you saw that told you
3: that so it was actually a very Blunt, some blunt signalings happening, right? Because when we first built the sort of prototype, right, it mm-hmm. was a much more like Amazon style of a platform, right? And yeah. when I try to launch that platform, the sellers, you know, in the market basically told me to go fuck up. I, yeah. Sorry, I don't know if I can curse <laughs> this. <laughs> we can drop it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> literally like without any exaggeration, right? And so I went back to the drawing board and I said, look, there's still a massive problem here. There's a massive yeah. problem in the inefficiencies of how they're doing their business. Like how do we rework this, right? And so we started off as, you know, you know where we wanna go is, um, and where we are today is more towards the a true uh, wholesale marketplace, right? But the initial value that we started and optimized for was on the other end of the spectrum was operational efficiencies, right? And so it's getting all of your inventory, your available for sale inventory into a a single platform so that your sales team can make, show that availability to their customers and then manage all those order intakes in one place so that actual inventory levels are reconciled, right? So that they know what actual inventory levels are, right? And then taking that, in the next step of the fulfillment process in the packaging of those orders. And then from there, the delivery of them, and then when a sale is finalized, as in it successfully arrived at a dispensary location, the accounting finance team, using all that information that's happening in one place as the source of truth for the sales invoice, you know, transactional data, getting in that ported over to their accounting system, and so it's really was providing that operational value. Where, on the one hand, if you're a buyer, you're logging into one place and you've got a consistent process for how you buy things with all of the sellers in your respective market, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that consistency, right? And then on the other side for the sellers, we're enabling them, empowering them for all of their departments and workflows to do it all in one place and work together, right? So that there's, they're not missing a, a beat or a step in their, in their process, right? So just really massively, you know, saving the amount of time that they yeah. put into kind of juggling all of this and then you know helping them to scale as they grew into being single state operators to multi-state operators, providing that operational cons- consistency everywhere they went. Yeah. So that was really, I think, The long way of saying that, you know, we knew that there was a value to be offered and that Mm -hmm. was operational. And that kind of helped us to grow the market and penetrate the market and embed ourselves in the market. And as the market matured, really become more of a true marketplace. Yeah.
2: And how I mean, it seems like a lot of this was driven by your experience actually on the operations side in cannabis and then with your tech background. I mean, I guess what pieces were really key in terms of helping you kind of figure out this problem by bringing these two things together? And then what things, I guess, did you think were going to work? <laughs> that Maybe yeah. didn't work as well. Or kind of <laughs> of things you didn't anticipate, you know, things that you thought you could kind of knew or didn't, yeah. didn't quite realize when you went to kind of really create a solution for the market.
3: Yeah. No, I think, I mean... That, that's why I, I always, you know, precede every conversation that I have with, with folks for how, how blessed I recognized I am it, yeah. it's being at the right place at the right time and the sort of marriage of, of the experiences in the background that I've had. Because, you know, I'd say that if you were somebody that was trying to create a technology company back in 2015 yep. for cannabis like all of the market indications were telling you and you wouldn't be wrong to say, hey, the gold rush is out in California and Colorado. Let's go out there. Right. Yep. And I was in this very kind of unique prism where in the early days the the CEOs of these now billion dollar plus, you know, often publicly traded companies like you know the Ben Covlers and the George Arcos of, you know, Verano, uh, yep. they were the ones that were sometimes even driving the delivery trucks to the dispensaries, right? And building the relationships. And, you know, we'd be sitting at bars together, kind of negotiating and also speculating on how the industry was gonna evolve, right? And so we thought that these highly regulated newly emerging markets were gonna be the, you know, the question was just on time, but it was gonna grow to be a massive, you know, percentage of the market. And so, you know, we, we decided to focus on that.
2: We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. And what were some of the big challenges like when you got into that and, you know, sort of figuring out how do I actually do this for the industry? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Technical challenges, process challenges, like what? Yeah, what-
3: so I think uh, I think that what I'm thankful for in my background of um, having started a technology company is I'm very like product minded and product driven yeah. right so really translating the the problems and then you know turning that into you know the user experience that's really of value to the market right so and then that coupled with really just being at the table with the market leaders themselves and hearing about their problems I'll give you an example right like yeah, please. Uh, just as an example like if there's an issue with, an, with a problem, right, they've got different protocol in different states for how to handle that, right? Oftentimes, they won't actually allow returns to happen, but you can log what the issue was and then have a process to get a credit from the, the supplier, right, so that that can feed back mm-hmm. down to the, to the consumer. So, you know, we developed a functionality for that that can be flexible from state to state so that you can log issues, just like how there needed to be an efficient way of creating orders amongst each other, we quickly realized that there needed to be an efficient way of logging the, the issues, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then turning that into credits that can be applied to invoices and stuff like that, right? And so those are the things that I think that, um, you know, while, you know, at the risk of being too slow, sometimes are really thorough about synthesizing the actual issues at root. And then, so we, we do a really good job of, uh, really not building something that's not of high value to the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole kind of product mindset,
2: really kind of driving mm-hmm. against customer demands and, and mm-hmm. customer needs. Mm-hmm. What um, I guess, what was that process like? I mean, I, I always find, you know, customer-driven development is... You know, great in concept, but actually getting the feedback or or getting the insights can be difficult because oftentimes customers, you know, they don't have the language or the, they're, yeah. not, they're not product developers, right? So they can't tell you exactly what they need. You know, sometimes right. they get confused. <laughs> uh, how, how did you go about kind of? Discovering, validating, you know, confirming with your market that these were the features that you needed and, and which ones you really wanted to focus on and which ones you decided like it's just not it's not your business to get involved in that piece of Yeah.
3: Anything. Well I, I think I think what's what's fortunate about this particular industry and especially in the markets that we prioritized early on is that they there were more finite markets, right? So take Illinois as an example. Uh-huh. Um, in the early days it was call it twenty or maximum suppliers, and then um, 60 dispensary locations. So it was it was like kind of this little microcosm, right? And it was uh, really accessible, especially where I was, right? Deep in the industry itself, phone call away from all of the operators out there and their, their whole organization, right? Because they were all small teams, everybody wore a lot of hats. And so I, we can be really nimble in gathering that feedback in a thorough way, across all of the market participants and really not building something that was just a big fire for one person that was screaming the loudest. It was really, Hey, what are the challenges that are experienced by everyone across the market and mm-hmm. uh, making sure it, you, you, you build those, right? Cause you don't want to kind of pigeonhole yourself. Yeah.
2: And tell me about as you have approached the markets I mean you mentioned you you're starting with the, you know, highly regulated markets. Mm-hmm. why those markets? What does that benefit or what's the benefit there for you and then and then how have you proceeded from there?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I I think that was a, a really big gamble on our part to really stay hyper focused on these markets, right? Because, you know, we'd even get pressure from investors, right? And investor oh, sure. potential investor conversations there are like you know why aren't you? You're silly. Why aren't you going after a bigger total addressable market out in California and whatnot? So we uh, we decided to stay here because we knew the opportunity was going to be big, and it was just a question of timing. But what we knew was that because the market was smaller, it was easier for us to get in on the ground floor and very quickly, in a very capital efficient way, get a big market penetration, right? So Mm -hmm. oftentimes in these states that we're operating in, we're at a 60 to 80% plus market penetration with every seller um, processing all of their orders um, through this one centralized system, right? And so um, I think that, and as these markets grow, uh, we're riding along that growth, right? So take Illinois as an example where, you know, I'd say just, you know, two or three years ago they were doing um, you know, quarter of a billion in sales. And then once it <laughs> went recreational, got to over a billion. And yeah, at, one point, at, at the yeah, and at the end of this year they're projecting it's gonna be over two billion, right? And it's that's Jeez. scratching the surface, right? That there's still a lot of growth to be had and we're we're riding that growth. And you know, as these programs expand, like what happens, right? The new license holders and the new market participants come in and they see all the transactions happening on leaf chain. They're, they say, Hey, wh- where do we get started? Yeah. You know, if we want to start our operations and oftentimes they're calling us to get started. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, now, uh, since the beginning of this year, we've again, organically have been focusing and putting a lot of attention into more established recreational markets out west following the lead of, of a lot of smart, you know, MSO folks as well who know where the opportunities are and, and go that way. And there's a lot of sort of customer acquisition on our part by virtue of M&A activity on our, our client's part as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. Out West. And that's kind of like the, the genesis or the initiation of, of how we, we go out there and really just prove to the market our technology benefits and really go top down with the biggest and, and, and best and most compliant you know recognized brands out there in expanding rapidly in the west coast yeah I'm curious what um,
2: metadata uh, have you been able to glean you know now that you've you've got Sort of industry level data rather than in individual you know, companies. What are you noticing, uh, or any kind of takeaways or insights you've been able to develop based on the data you have and the trends that you see?
3: I'd say it's a little early for us to tell, um, and and I'd be lying if I you know told you we have all of the data figured out. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but w- w- what I can tell you is that we've really been operating uh, more or less on these highly regulated markets, right, where the supply is is pretty limited as well, right? So mm-hmm. there's no problem with the product being sold. Like every seller sells all of their products every week in, in the states where we've initially prioritized, right? So our data shows that they sell all of their products. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And they're and they're doing great, right? I think it gets more nuanced as as we come out west, right? And it's more of a supply saturated markets and yeah. you can really dig more granularly into it and and provide more valuable market level data which we're getting into and and like I said I think that that value will grow exponentially as as we continue to to grow in these markets. But what I will say from a data perspective is where we win and I think what where we try to to kind of optimize for is data that's, um, that provides operational value, mm-hmm. right? So just to give you an example, a dispensary to make operations more efficient for themselves may want to s- establish par values for, you know, all of the things that they like to order, like what is the quantity that they would ideally like to have at any given time in their store, right? And yep. so they can, they can establish those values in our platform. And then we can get a read into what their in-store inventory levels actually are. And if it dips below a certain threshold, we can create auto replenishment orders automatic in, in a very efficient way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, that's, that's really leveraging the data to provide operational efficiency for our users. And that's really where we start. But like you said, it's, the data is very valuable and it's, market level data is gonna only continue to grow and, and be more nuanced and more valuable.
2: Yeah. Well, how, um, how have the regulations kind of shaped things for you? I mean, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit you're dealing with these different states and you spoke a little bit about the, you know, different, different states have different kind of procedural requirements around dealing with certain things. But what have the big ones been that have either been kind of opportunities for you or, you know, shaped the way you've developed things or been challenges? Yeah.
3: Well, I think that because the compliance component of it is so kind of convoluted, you know, going from zero to one was kind of like the hardest part. But after that, it's really been more of a, a benefit for us, right? Because once you kind of create that moat and in, in being really good at the compliance, like that's, that's really where you can win, right? Mm-hmm. And just an example of that is the mandates, right? The state mandates on utilizing these seat to sale traceability systems, right? Where we've centered our platform to work hand-in-hand with those other systems. And it's great because a lot of our clients actually use those systems as their inventory management tools. And to have really good integrations into those systems means that they can, at the click of a button, get all that available for sale inventory into our system, right? So it just made sense for us. And what we're seeing out West, which is really interesting is, and, and I think another another way our, our gamble on focusing on the regu- highly regulated states that's panning out is, mm-hmm. I believe it was Jan 1, 2018, where California mandated the state to use metric, um, which is one of the leading state-to-sale traceability systems. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't really until much, many, many, many months after that where the players in that market were actually fully utilizing the platform like it was intended and, and should be, right? It took a lot of growing pains. But now what we're seeing is that in these states out west, like the Californias and the Arizonas and the Nevadas, they're really taking a page from these highly regulated states and learning and saying, look, if we want to create programs that are legitimate and to scale legitimately and minimize gray market activity, we've got to put these compliance practices in place in a very you know robust way. Same goes for the application processes and diligence and audits on on all of the, the operators in the state in order to succeed that goal, right? And so I think that we've seen a huge benefit in optimizing our platform for those type of compliance needs, because now it's really paying off as we expand into the West. Yeah. And you know, with all this kind of
2: talk, chatter around some kind of federal legalization, at least change in the posture from a federal point of view, Like, how, what is it that you're watching? How are things going to affect you? Where are the opportunities? How do you what's your kind of view mm-hmm. on the federal market?
3: Yeah, I think that what most people are really paying close attention to is the the Safe Baking Act, right? I think yeah. that that's just a no-brainer. You know, it, you can't as as a um, as a regulator and a, pol- you know, a, a politician, you can't really argue that you want um, you want tax revenue from these businesses, but you won't give them a place to actually Put their money. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> it, is, it is kind of ironic. Yeah. I think it's just practical from a public revenue generation perspective and from a safety perspective. And I think that'll actually be good for our industry, you know, access to capital, not only for plant touching businesses, but, you know, even for the ancillary businesses and, you know, it'll allow for, you know, we have a payment solution that we built right that's very technology centered it's you know we create the the automations in our platform for folks to save customized term periods and on due date for payments to transfer directly from the buyer's account to the seller's and you know create levers technology levers for positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement on payment behavior based on payment behavior right and that's only going to grow and you know, have have a bigger flywheel as our customers get more and more access to financial institutions, right? And so, I think that's just generally going to be a great thing. You know, a lot of industry leaders are are thinking, you know, timeline-wise probably, Closer to mid, you know, 2022. And from uh, just a uh, overarching federal legalization perspective, I personally, my thesis is that that's going to be a, a longer ways ahead, right? I think that I personally think it's going to be at least three years, you know, more, more likely over five. And that's only because there's, you know, I think it's it's safer to play it slower and give, you know, states, state by state autonomy and how they create these programs. And the sort of resources that stakeholders, you know, whether it's the regulators or the operators that they've put in to creating the infrastructure of, of the industry, right, going from zero to one, there's a lot of incentives that are in place for for not tearing down the walls, like entirely, right? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, they've built a local economy and local jobs. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and so they've got to do it in a sustainable way. We're, we're not talking about just creating like a monopoly, but it's it's really just thinking about the economy at large and and making sure it's sustainable for everyone. Yeah. But that being said, you know, I think, I think that it'll probably evolve to look not unlike the alcohol industry where there are, you know, regional rules and stuff like that for distribution. And that being said, our technology is built in a way where we've created the artificial walls where each state is in effect its own marketplace, right? But if you know, certain interstate commerce were to happen within, you know, certain regions, right? Like the, the Northeast, for example, or, or whatever. And, you know, we can, in a matter of a day, right, tear down those artificial walls and mm-hmm. allow for that commerce to happen, right? So we've been very forward thinking, right? Yeah. In terms of marrying in a balanced way, current needs versus what, how we think the, the market's going to evolve and being, and making sure that we're in a position to be nimble and, and to adapt. Yeah, excellent,
2: James. This has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about the work, what's the best way to get that information?
3: Yeah, please visit us on link, LinkedIn. We're at Leaf Trade. Um, I believe on Instagram it's the same handle. It's at Leaf Trade, one word, um, and on Twitter we are at leaf underscore trade. And of course, our website is very comprehensive and everything you'd want to know. It's www.leaftrade.com.
2: Great. I'll make sure all the links and the handles and everything are on the show notes so people can click through, get that. James, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.